the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review with Hugh Hewitt podcast, bringing to you the best voices on the stories and issues that matter. Helping make it all possible is the generous partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. Here's another piece I'll trust you enjoy. Twitter, I think they're down to like a skeleton crew of 50. Uh, They've been purging a lot of bots, uh, but in addition, they're restoring accounts right and left, one of the more high-profile accounts. And I think we're about to learn a lot more about COVID in the era of Twitter management. And that's Dr. Peter McCullough, who is one of those voices silenced by lots of social media. I mean, I know the conversations that we had in the past. Every time I posted something from Dr. McCullough, YouTube Gave me a strike, and I was finally kicked. You were the one that got me kicked off of YouTube, Dr. McCullough. Welcome oh, no. back. <laughs> I'm so sorry. It started with YouTube at the very beginning, and then this wave of censorship. Thanks for having me on the program. I'm Dr. Peter McCullough, practicing internist and cardiologist from Dallas, Texas. You're right. Uh, shortly after midnight, uh, the, the blue bars were opened. I stumbled out of jail uh, and was uh, released from a Twitter jail. I've updated my followers on what I've done on Truth Social and Getter and on Telegram since that time. A lot of lots happened, actually, since I've been banned on Twitter. Dr. McCullough, you um, you and I started talking, uh, and I, I think when, when we first met and you were kind of first largely introduced to a lot of the country, uh, your concern was, I mean, it was what I think it was even well before the, the, the vaccine was a discussion. It was just about the kind of the viral load of the vaccine in general and who it was impacting. I mean, you you were speaking out about this long before we even thought we had a shot to combat it, true? My, my original work was all on treating the illness. <clears throat> the idea is that we could never, uh, you know, make a dent in this problem unless we, unless we treated the illness. And so um, yeah, I received a large grant, uh, did I had one of the first investigation of drug applications for ambulatory treatment by the FDA, and I produced the McCullough Protocol. It was published in August of 2020, became the standard by the Association of American Physicians and Surgeons by October of 2020. This was big. This was within six months of the pandemic. We actually had a bona fide way of treating patients and helping them avoid hospitalization and death, and that was long before the vaccines. What the government did is the government said no, no early home treatment. Uh, wait till uh, one is severe enough to be hospitalized. Even then, don't do anything. Wait till they need oxygen. Then start late treatment with uh, remdesivir and dexamethasone. That was a disaster. So McCullough protocol uh, was really the way to go on early treatment. There was a parallel protocol by uh, Frontline Critical Care consortium flcc they had the first inpatient protocol in march of 2020 they later had an outpatient protocol by the fall of 2020 if we would have followed the doctors treating patients with COVID 19 we would have saved two-thirds of a million lives lost and 10 million hospitalizations and that's on the federal government so dr mccullough when fauci who continues to make his farewell tour on all the media outlets uh, was asked this week by chris wallace Looking back, you know, should we have been less restrictive about schools and kids, knowing what we know now? 
He said, he still says to this day, Dr. McCullough, in the absence of a vaccination, it would have been very difficult to make that distinction. He still maintains that we couldn't, we weren't smart enough to know that elderly people were more vulnerable here than kids. It's clear. You know, I've talked to Scott Atlas uh, a lot uh, as a friend. He worked directly with Fauci. He said Fauci really doesn't understand what's going on. Wow. He really doesn't understand. He's, according to Scott, Fauci can't even pronounce difficult uh, uh, medical words. <laughs> He's completely inept. Yeah. So uh, this idea is uh, uh, a vaccine and none of the vaccines, whether it's pneumococcal vaccine or any other vaccines, none of them stop respiratory illness. They don't stop transmission. They don't stop uh, cases of severe disease. None of them do. That's why we, so that's why we call the, it a flu shot and not a flu vaccine, right? Well, it just they just simply are minimally effective. So this idea that that uh, we would lock down until a vaccine, it was ridiculous. So the other critical milestone is the Great Barrington Declaration, October 4th, 2020. That was by authored by Jay Bhattacharya from Stanford, Martin Kolto from Harvard, and Sunita Gupta from Oxford, all of whom I think have been released from Twitter jail. Recently, Bhattacharya was invited to Twitter headquarters uh, yesterday. I'm going to go out to California today. Maybe they'll have me come on as well. Oh, great. And uh, what they said was, listen, we know who's getting really sick with COVID. It's the seniors, those in senior centers, congregate living centers. Uh, My dad was one of them. His uh, story is chronicled in my book, Courage to Face COVID-19. So I know all about this firsthand. It wasn't young, healthy people. So the Great Barrington Declaration said no lockdowns, no social distancing, no change in our economy, just protect the seniors. That, along with the McCullough Protocol, should have been our pandemic response. If that would have happened, there would have been no uh, recession, There would have been no loss of jobs. There would have been no mandates because vaccines don't work. So there's no reason to have mandates and have people lose their jobs in the military. It would have been a completely different picture if we just would have followed the leaders in America instead of following uh, our inept government leaders. You were one of the names on a uh, a new report. I just read at brownstone.org about... Uh, the shot versus uh, natural immunity. And now it's definitively clear, definitively clear that natural immunity matters. And in fact, I think uh, the report that you signed off on says it's even better than the shot. Still true? It's true. You know, I give Brownstone a lot of credit for anybody who wants to go to the best place to summarize information. People said, where's the best collection of papers on natural immunity or lockdown. So it's always brownstone. Jeffrey Tucker's done a great job. Paul Alexander, one of my colleagues, is a frequent contributor. They're doing a fantastic job. And you're right. You know, the most recent paper to quote on natural immunity is by Chen and colleagues, New England Journal of Medicine, end of October 2022. 59,000 prisoners, 17,000 staff in the prisons, and they know everybody. They know who's getting sick, who isn't, who's being hospitalized, who isn't. Bottom line is once someone's had COVID, one of the earlier versions of COVID, there is a 100% protection against hospitalization and death with the next episode. That's a million times better than a vaccine. The people who have been taking these vaccines are getting COVID. They're taking more vaccines. They're getting more COVID. We can see this with Walensky and so many of our public health officials. The bottom line is once we've had the illness, you're good to go. So I ask patients when they call me, Dr. McCullough, I have COVID. I said, is this your first time you've had it, or is it a second time? If it's the second time, it's just over-the-counter supportive care, and they're good. 
So it is not a guarantee you won't get it again. It just will be less severe than the first time you had it. That's correct. It's it's always less severe because there is natural immunity. And do you have reason to believe that that stays with you? I mean, this is basically like a wave of the flu. For instance, they say now, you know, right now, there, a lot of local news is being hysterical about hospitals filling up. Triple-demic is a word they like to throw around, which I think is completely made up. is a medical term. You tell me if I'm wrong. Uh, flu, RSV, and, um, and, and COVID. So, so what of all of that that we're hearing a lot about now? A lot of that is hype. You know, we don't have data systems to really categorize uh, for instance, RSV, we do for flu and COVID now, but a lot of that is overhyped. I go into a major medical center uh, for my practice, and we don't hear any word of, of being you know, stressed in terms of ventilators or anything else. What we know with RSV is the vast majority of cases as respiratory syncytial virus are in children under age one. It's treated with one or two nebulizers. It's an easy urgent care or home intervention, and the kids get over RSV. What we know with influenza it's characteristically in seniors and nursing homes and those uh, quite elderly. Uh, unfortunately, the flu shot last year in a paper by Chun and colleagues published in MMWR, the CDC journal. Guess what? The flu shot had 16% vaccine efficacy, statistically insignificant from zero. Yes, that means the flu shot is a zero. It doesn't do anything. Wow. So many patients now are just skipping the flu shot saying, listen, why take any risk? of an immune reaction when the flu shot is completely ineffective. So uh, we'll get through this. Uh, with flu, we can always use uh, oral drugs, and we have to be wary of secondary bacterial infections, which is different than COVID, which characteristically they don't occur. With COVID, we've got the McCullough protocol, and for RSV, we've got easy nebulizers, albuterol, and sometimes we use budesonide. So we'll get through this, uh, but none of these require a vaccine. And Dr. McCullough, as, as COVID continues to be a thing, this will be, if you were to walk it out, I don't know, years from now, five years, 10 years from now, this will become just part of the pantheon of illnesses we deal with seasonally, or is this not really contained to a season? No, no it, it looks like it's going to become part of the library of coronavirus since it's degenerated and mutated. What's extended the pandemic is vaccination. It's encouraged more and more mutations. It's like giving a, a, a narrow-spectrum antibiotic. We're just creating more and more resistant bugs. So if we were to drop the vaccines now, just let the body's own population, natural immunity, handle it, and then treat severe cases, this could be over with. Uh, but well, the more we vaccinate, the more we come up with bivalent and next-generation uh, shots, we're just extending the agony here. And as you head to Twitter headquarters, I'll let you run because I know you're a busy man, Dr. Peter McCullough, but um, are, are, how do you read this period of time um, broadly? Uh, government, medicine, uh, social media, communication about it. Uh, what's, what's your evaluation of it, 30,000-foot view? Uh, we're seeing uh, the very first uh, inklings of fascism. Fascism, fascia in medicine is the binding of two tissue compartments. Uh, fascism is when government and industry, private industry, bind together to carry out a government agenda. And that's exactly what we saw. The U.S. government was working with Twitter and Facebook and probably many others to carry out a government agenda. And the government agenda was the intentional suppression of early treatment to promote fear, suffering, hospitalization, and death in order to prepare the population to accept mass vaccination. And then the agenda was clearly 
to massively promote the vaccines, not give any informed information on safety or lack of efficacy, and then silence everybody who uh, had a different viewpoint on this government agenda. So we've actually uncovered fascism, first time in American history. I think a lot of historians are going to write about this. Uh, Elon Musk will play a prominent role. I think myself and the doctors who are bringing information on early treatment to America will be uh, uh, heavily uh, cited and viewed as ones who uh, simply were not going to allow this to happen on their watch. And how have you been, and final question, how have you uh, fared professionally? I, I know, I think you've often said your own practice, your own doctors and hospitals, those you're working with most closely, um, I, I think your, your standing is still on solid, firm footing. But I, I know that your name was thrown around so much that uh, I'm sure in certain circles you've been turned into a pariah, yes or no? You know, I have um, <clears throat> never been confronted by any doctor of any medical standing, the chief of medicine, chief of cardiology, chief of infectious disease. I'm the most published person in my field in the world in history. But what I have been is I've been stripped of all my credentials, either be either by certified letter or by email. That includes two professorships, two editorships, uh, all my NIH committees, all pharmaceutical consulting committees. And more recently, I've been uh, 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 convicted of COVID misinformation by an American Board of Internal Medicine credentialing committee. That means my residency and fellowship are going to be stripped from me and my board certifications. I have that under appeal right now. And I think what we're going to find in each one of those is, again, fascism. I think we're going to find government agencies working with these different entities in order to damage me. And the reason why they did that is they knew that I had the medical expertise, the experience, and the courage to bring America the truth. Does, and does medicine have the ability to fight back? I mean, are you alone, or do you have help? Will this? Will we see a pushback? I'm using all the legal resources I can, but there's no fairness in the courts. There's no fairness in uh, these various uh, board entities. So really the only court that's open is the court of public opinion. And there, it's overwhelmingly in favor of myself and doctors in my circles. We brought America relief from COVID-19. We brought America a fair evaluation on vaccine safety and efficacy, and the world knows it. Thanks for listening to the Town Hall Review. Our program is coming today in partnership with the Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy. It's America's most unique graduate leadership programs offered on Pepperdine's breathtaking campus in Malibu, California. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. If you're enjoying the podcast, please tell a friend to go to Town Hall Review and sign up as well today. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.